I like to say welcome everybody for coming. We've been looking this month at what it meant to live right, basically. We started by looking at the 12 virtues we found outlined in Proverbs 31. Last week, we looked at the example of a woman of virtue that Tabitha, or Dorcas in some translations, set. And this week, we're going to move over to the book of Titus. Titus chapter 2. Now, if you want to know how to live your life anyway, Titus chapter 2 actually is a good book to start with. It gives some instructions for just about everybody under the sun. And it says, this is what the older men should do. This is what the younger men should do. This is for older women. This is for younger women. Basically, anybody out there, this is for you is what he was saying. So if you'll look at Titus chapter 2. And even though all of it is good to look at, what we're going to be focusing on for this point, in a little bit, will be the instructions for older women. It says older women. I like to think that they're instructions for just about anybody. And so to start us off with, just to kind of get us where an idea of what's going on, Titus chapter 2. Verses 1 through 6 say this in the message paraphrase. Your job is to speak out on the things that make for solid doctrine. Guide older men into lives of temperance, dignity, and wisdom. Into healthy faith, love, and endurance. Here's the verse we'll be looking at a little bit later. Guide older women into the lives of reverence. So that they end up as neither gossips nor drunks, but models of goodness by looking at them The younger women will know how to love their husbands and children, be virtuous and pure, keep a good house, and be good wives. We don't want anyone looking down on God's message because of their behavior. And then almost as an afterthought, he says, also guide the young men to live disciplined lives, to kind of control themselves, right? Says... This is how older men should be, right? This is proper. And he's telling Titus, you know, hey, you will be instructing them. You will be telling them how they should go. And in today's society, I think that's a problem. The world is all kinds of crazy because so many people aren't getting corrected when they do something wrong. Right? The Bible has something, had a scripture back then about it. And yet we still don't even adhere to it. It says, even though everything is permissible, not everything is good. 
But we live in a society that if you can get away with it, you can do it. Right? Anything goes. Nothing is wrong. But he's telling them, this is, what you shouldn't, how, this is how you should instruct people. And if we call ourselves followers or believers of Christ, we too have been given a challenge, a charge, a duty to help instruct others, even if it's simply by how we live our lives. Therefore, serving as a model for others. And so since we've kind of been looking at women this whole month of May in honor of women and mothers, we were going to focus on the chapters 3 and 4 of Titus 2. But all good for anyone to be able to apply to their own lives. Now, this says conduct becoming older women. This is conduct that honestly could be beneficial to anybody. It says to be reverent in your behavior. To become holy, strong. Meaning to act like a sacred person is what one um, word study dictionary said about that trend, that word in the Bible. And think about it. Nowadays, we'd probably say, act like you've got some sense. You know, if we claim to be Christian, if we claim to have the love of Christ in us, if we claim to have Christ in us, then we need to strive to be holy, to be Christ-like, to be like Jesus as we sang in that chorus. And so when we're reverent in our behavior, that is what we are. We are living our lives. Showing people that Jesus lives in us. To be reverent in all manners of our behavior, in our demeanor, how we talk to people, how we dress. Now, how many of us have ever said something to somebody that we shouldn't have? And I'll be honest, it counts even if you're driving down the road and they can't hear you which is oftentimes where I find myself falling short. Just because they can't hear you doesn't mean that you shouldn't have said it. It's kind of what he goes on about a little later. He goes, don't be gossips. Don't be spreading malicious lies. Or even truths that aren't anyone else's business. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning, right? Because gossip isn't telling someone else's story for them as a way of testimony. 
Gossip is telling someone else's story as a way of bringing shame to them. You're not doing it to encourage them. You're doing it to bring them down. Because there's a different way than just talking about what someone went through and then talking about what someone went through with a spirit in your heart of meanness. If you're using it to help someone stir somebody or correct somebody else, that's one thing. But when you're doing it to bring someone else down, so that's what's wrong. And we are called to be reverent in our behavior, in our dress, in our speech, in our conduct, so that when people look at us, they don't just know who we are. They know whose we are. They can look at us and see Christ. Second thing it said, we touched on it a little already. It says they're not slanderers. They're not gossipers. They're not given to much wine. In other words, they know their boundaries. And they know how to keep a level head. Simply said, it says they know how to guard against what comes out of their mouth. And they're smart enough to know what goes in their mouth as well. And how it affects their body. And their mind. They are teachers of good things. It says it in Titus, right? He says, by looking at them, the young, by looking at them, the and that's what we're called to do, is to set an example. When people look
to the point where Peter realized she was being missed so much that he actually brought her back. They missed her. When she had got there, she had done so much work. They were able to show everything she had done in the church, the work that she had done with the widows, her ministry. They missed her so much. Her presence had been so instrumental in that church that her abstinence was felt so deeply that Peter bought her back. And interestingly enough, they don't really talk a lot about the disciples' wives. And most, they aren't even mentioned, but we do have a mention of Peter's wife. Matthew eight fourteen through 15 tells us of, his, of her mother who was healed by Jesus. 1 Corinthians tells us that she accompanied Peter on his travels. And according to Clement of Alexandria, she herself became a martyr for the faith. A woman who would leave her home and hearth behind to follow Christ, even to death. And there's examples of women who are still making a difference in the lives of others. Who teach. Teach the children and the young people here in the church. There's women who travel to foreign lands as missionaries. There's women who come to church who minister to other people regardless of their health and the limitations that their body tries to put on them. Because in their hearts and in their minds, they rely on the strength of Christ and know no limitations. And so the question is, Are we allowing ourselves to be used by God to the fullest of the extent? Or do we allow our minds to block us, to hinder us? We're going to take some time in prayer. And during this time, I want us to think about it. Those women we mentioned were examples of older women who had allowed God to use them. But there were younger women as well. It doesn't matter about age. Esther was probably a teenager when she was selected to be queen and then put in a place that proved ultimately helpful when it came to saving her people. Mary, another teenager, chosen to be the mother of Christ.
young and old, are all the same. God doesn't see our age. Because when he looks at us, what he sees is what we can do through his strength. We are the ones who put limitations upon ourselves. A lot of people look at Proverbs 31 and they think, how does she do it all, right? This woman who is being described has got to be some kind of Susie homemaker who never sleeps. But I like to think that that last couple of verses in Proverbs 31 are key. She did everything through God and in God because she loved God. She feared the Lord. Not in fear as in we're afraid of spiders, but fear like reverence. She recognized who he was. He was holy. And she lived her life to please him. And it was through his strength that she could rise before the house rose up in the morning to get everything done. She was one of the last to bed, and her family was always taken care of. And people always had good things to say about her. She didn't do it on her own, and we don't have to either. Because ultimately, the key to living a Proverbs 31 life is loving God. Being washed by the blood of the Lamb and living our lives. When we model our lives after His, then we set the example for others. So we're going to take some time in prayer. And think about what kind of example you would be setting. Is it one you want others to follow? So as the music plays, just take this time in prayer. The altar is available if you would like it. Where you go is where I am And I'm always thinking of you Take a look around you I'm spelling it out one by one I love you more than the sun and the stars that I taught how to shine. You are mine and you shine for me too. I love you yesterday and today and tomorrow. I'll say it again and again. I love you In the city, just a tear on a crowded street. But you were one in a million, and you belong to me. And I want you to know that I'm not letting go, even when you. Come
I love